Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Adam, Max, Jared, and Dan of the Framework Music and Arts Festival, as well as the bands Nevada Color and Emerson J. If you are one of the people who listened to that conversation, hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now, I just mentioned the Framework Music and Arts Festival. And if you don't know, that just happened this past weekend. And it was a blast. So if you weren't there, you fucking missed out. Way to go. I was hosting the event, doing my little MC thing in between the bands. There was a lot of cool artists, vendors, food, wine. It was, it was a, I had a, a good time. I had a great time. And if you were there, I hope you did too. But... There's another really cool music festival coming up in the beginning of June, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. But first, let me talk about this week's guest, Bad Custer. For those of you out there who don't know Bad Custer, they are a three-piece rock and roll band from Pittsburgh, and they're fucking awesome. Really talented musicians, really cool dudes. I had a blast sitting down and talking to them. And I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. We talked about the history of the band, the scene that they're involved in, and just what it's like doing what they do. Along with all that stuff, we also talk a little bit about the Layer Cake Music Festival, which is the festival I just mentioned a moment ago that's coming up because Bad Custer is playing this music festival as well. I'm, I'm playing the festival too, just so you know. But... We're playing at different venues. Yes, this is a multi-venue music festival. So let me get into that a little bit. The Layer Cake Music Festival, now going into its second year, is a two-day live music festival held in multiple neighborhoods across Pittsburgh. Not just multiple venues, but multiple neighborhoods across Pittsburgh. And it features over 170 regional and national music acts, regional and national, plus 40 live painters and visual artists, plus another 20 or so performance artists. This sounds totally insane, but it's totally real, and it's happening on June 3rd and June 4th, okay? I know that's a lot of information to take in. That's honestly... I can't even get into the rest of the stuff that I'm seeing here. But if you're interested in this, you can find out all about it at LayerCakeMusicFest.com. If you are new to me and new to the show in general, I said that backwards. If you are new to the show or just new to me in general, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at the Real Sykes. The podcast has its own little Facebook page, which you can find if you just go to your Facebook search bar and type in Start the Beat with Sykes. I'm also on iTunes or whatever other 
podcast streaming thing you listen to, you can find me. Just search for Start the Beat. Subscribe to the show. Rate the show. Review it if you want. That stuff helps, makes me seem cool to people who don't know who I am. And all that matters in life is looking cool on the internet. Am I right? Am I right? I'm right. I'm not serious. Don't. Eh, maybe I'm serious. I don't know. I'll figure that one out. Last, but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can learn all about at epicast.tv. Yes. So, without further ado, how about I shut my ass up and we get into my conversation with Bad Custer. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! We're recording. Here we go. Bad Custer. What's up, gentlemen? Hey. How you doing? Good. 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 It's a Sunday afternoon. It is, yeah. Meeting you all for the first time. That's always weird, but it's been happening a lot with me lately. You know, just like, hey, I met you. Let's sit down and put microphones and headphones in front of your face. I think that's <laughs> honestly like the best way to meet someone because, <laughs> you know, then you there, there's like there's there's a structure to it. Yeah. Instead of just be like, oh, we've got to make small talk or whatever because we just met. It's like, oh, no, we're here for a purpose. And our purpose is to get to know each other. So seems like some of the hard work is already done for us. Sure thing. So you played for the Clarks last night or with the Clarks mm-hmm. with how, how you ever want to phrase that. How was we that? Played, we played for them. You played for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, there were a bunch of people in the audience. They were the only ones that were really playing for them. <laughs> how did that go? How was the show? It went well. Yeah, it went really well. Where I was thought, it at? Uh, Mr. Smalls. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. It was a fundraiser get out the vote effort for John Fetterman, who's okay. running for Senate. So the primary, Pennsylvania primary is on Tuesday, and I, everyone's focusing on, you know, is it going to, who is Hillary or Bernie, Trump or Cruz, but there's also the, the Democratic Senate primary to defeat, uh, what's his face? Toomey. Toomey in the fall. So Mayor Braddock, John Fetterman's running up against a few other people. So we were out supporting him. Um, Clark's were there as well and the rents rents. and the rents. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So do you find yourselves or fancy yourselves a more political band or is it just like circumstance? Like you're down for a good cause if it's there to help more, more that we're down for a good cause. Sure. There to help. But well, I I think in our personal lives, we're all fairly political okay it yeah. doesn't bleed into the music too right. much yeah, no. yeah, yeah. i do hope that we're one day in a position where a republican uh politician tries to use our music and we have to write them and say like you're not allowed to use that song <laughs> but then they do it anyway yeah then they do it <laughs> yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. the um so because i i took a moment and actually listened to you guys but didn't like wasn't able to consume all of the lyrical content of the stuff but you are a rock and roll band Rockin'. Sure. Good songs, catchy stuff, three-piece. Thanks, yeah. How long has Bad Custer been a band? Well, I think we started about two years ago, playing together as this incarnation. Okay, you played uh, together previously in other acts um, and stuff like that? We've all known each other for like between 10 and 15 years. Awesome. So uh, playing on and off in that time period. Were you doing 
the same kind of music or some other different styles of stuff in the past? Uh, well, we all played in a high school band together. Um, well, a couple of us were in high school, a couple of us were older, and it was more like pop rock, U2-ish kind of stuff, which is not at all what we play now. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So where did uh, the influence for all of you as musicians come from? You know, if you were like you two, were you into that kind of stuff? Uh, or I can I can share that that Jesse's AOL screen name in high school was Dylan OLP. So at that point, it was equal parts Bob Dylan and Our Lady Peace. It was a, it was a, it was a vicious contrast there. But uh, yeah, for me, Dylan uh, is a big big influence. Okay, so singer songwriter stuff and rock well, stuff. Just just just, just Dylan. Okay, just just Dylan. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I don't know. I can't do the whole singer songwriter thing for the most part, but you know, he's different. He's, okay, he's Dylan. <laughs> I never got into Bob Dylan, and I've tried. I'm not gonna be one of those people. It's like I, I hate that stuff. I'm just like, I get it. It's just not for me. Ah, that's fair. That's you know. Fair. So outside of making the rock music that you do, any other musical influences? Like, what kind of stuff are you guys into outside of that, if anything? I felt pretty hard for the folk scene, okay. you know, like 10 years ago when, when the Ava brothers were first starting to, to gain some steam and I joined, I had an upright bass back in the day and I got suckered into doing like bass for every folk ensemble at the college I was going to. <laughs> so I got, you know, and it was up in Northwestern Pennsylvania. I went to Allegheny College for a little while and I got to see firsthand just this kind of like you go to a bar and there's just a bunch of like plumbers and electricians and people just show up and play music every night. So, um, you know, it's. I'm a big fan of, of music as a function of the community. The fact that it's, you know, music is not just something that like exists in its own sort of dimension. It's something that is tied to a locality in a lot of instances. So um, that really spoke to me. And I don't know. I was really into like prog rock, like 70s prog rock. Early for, Genesis. Yeah, yeah. Like Peter like Gabriel era Genesis. Quadrophenia. Early, era, yes. Who, yeah. Um, those two things should never be combined. I don't Maybe, know. Well, the Decemberists, I guess you could say, are kind of like prog folk. Maybe a little bit. Any English folk band is kind of prog. Yeah, folk. yeah. There's some. There's that. There's that early Jethro Tull song where it's like, "I will sing you a song from the wood," and it's the it's nope. the worst. It's make you feel much better than you ever would. It's a terrible song. Keep going. No, that's that's, that's all I got. <laughs> what about you? Drums? Where'd that come from? Why'd you want to hit stuff in rhythm fashion? Yeah, what's wrong with you? Uh, it happened all by accident, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And even still, every time we play a show, it's always an accident. I never know what the hell I'm doing, but somehow it just fucking works, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I, I had a neighbor who um, played a little bit. And when I was going into high school, they were desperate for drummers in the marching band. So he came over with a snare and was like, here, I'm teaching you the snare piece. I couldn't read. I, I didn't know how to read drum music. Okay. So like, it was just like, y you know, I just sort of copy what he was doing and had to sort of memorize it and then uh, went and did the audition and then was suddenly a drummer. And um, First chair. Yeah. <laughs> Concert master. Yeah, yeah. So I did that in school for just the year. Um, I didn't really enjoy it being part of the uh, the school band. But then, um, but I did like playing the drums in general. And my girlfriend at the time, her dad was a professor at CMU. And he knew a guy who was just throwing out some old vintage Ludwig kit. 
and he was all beat up and whatever. Um, but he picked it up for me and gave it to me, and that was my first kit, and somehow I just, I don't know. Super cool. Yeah. So I realized one thing that I completely fucked up, which we're allowed to swear, by the way. So if you're into fucking swearing, you could f- fuck, th- fuck it up. You're darn tootin'. <laughs> uh, we all introduced ourselves before the microphones are on, oh. but anybody listening to this is going to have no idea who's who. So let's do the introduction right, thing right. now, five minutes in. Mike. So, yeah, I'm you Mike. Are, you're the drummer. We were just talking to you. Yes. Yes. Okay. And? Jesse, I sing and play guitar. I'm Phil. I sing and play bass. All right. We got that out of the way. Back to Mike. So as you're starting as a drummer, was there any... Were you into music before that? Yeah. Were, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So what were like your early influences as a drummer? Um, well, I guess at the time I was really into Bruce Springsteen, I think was um, the first artist I heard that really got me interested in music. My like, mom it, just came home randomly one day with the... Uh, Bruce Springsteen greatest hits. I, I I don't know what I was listening to before that, but it was probably crap like radio. And my mom was like, "We can't do this anymore." She came home with a, with a couple out couple CDs. And was like, "Here, listen to this, and uh, you know, start being yeah. responsible with your music." So um, <laughs> it's it, it's cool. It seems like you're all really grounded in like I don't know if traditional rock is the right yeah. way to phrase sure. it, but just like rock. Rock and roll, so, rock like and you roll. don't really branch outside of that right. realm too much, as far as your influences and things like right. that go. I'm right. sure you listen to all kinds of wild stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, we but we write rock and roll songs. Yeah, we sure. play rock and roll. You sure do. Listen to them, pretty good. <laughs> I'm excited to see you play one day. Who knows when it'll happen? Maybe it'll happen eventually. If well, we ever, always if we ever play again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are playing at the uh, Layer Cake Music Festival? Yes. If I am not mistaken. It'll be our second Layer Cake. So back in October, that was Layer Cake number one. It was all three floors of the James Street Gastro Pub. Um, we were up on the top floor, which is a big ballroom area, and it was just an awesome time. Cool. There was, there was how many? There was like 25 bands. There was a lot. Space of a day. I mean, yeah, was that the one that had to like branch out to other venues? Was that Layer Cake? No, no. Well, that's what they're doing that this year. I yeah, think. yeah. So we're at Spirit now. this year. Yeah. James Street, Spirit, and Cativo, I think, are the three. Um, but yeah, we've we've been working with Ziggy for a while, and he's the mastermind behind Layer Cake and a bunch of other stuff in the area. He was the one that put together the show last night with with John Fetterman and the Clarks yeah. as well. So yeah, um, but it's going to be pretty awesome. There's rumors that there's we're going to be joined by other artists that we i don't think we're allowed to talk about yet but okay um, leave them leave them on a cliffhanger yeah it's 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 going to be an eclectic mix of musicians and layer cake is also a celebration of of art there's a lot of live painting and auctions that go on um i hear this year there's gonna be a lot of dancers as well um Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> microphone to the face well so the the last layer cake was the premiere of the doo-doo lords Oh, so correct. There were two gentlemen, uh, Brett Guerra and Jake Steele, who are local tattoo artists and visual artists, and they decided during the last layer cake it was a good idea for them to strip down to tidy whities and paint each other all night. So they'd be just walking through with easel or and with, let you uh, paint them as well. Yeah. So it was kind of a collaborative body painting process. Not really sure how many people were just like cool and how many people were like, why are those guys in their underwear? But we 
I think Jesse was like, do you guys want to come up on stage with us? And they were like, sure. So it ended up turning into this giant party where people would come up and they'd get painted and stuff and clothes were coming off and it was an awesome time. They came back with some strippers <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the last John Fetterman <laughs> show that we did. And that was, it turned out. Strippers, can I say strippers? Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, yeah. And Which so was they, a surprise, by the way. They didn't we have no idea. They, they, so they were like, well, underwear is not allowed because this is a political event and we have to, you know. It has yeah. to be family values. So, so they wore one piece bathing suits. Yeah, they wore one piece like wrestling singlets instead uh, with American flag designs. And they invited some of their stripper friends who were wearing like American flag bikinis. And it was even more painting all over the place. And I don't know if the Fetterman campaign was a big fan of that. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I, I we, doubt it. They didn't get invited back when we played last night. Yeah. So. Uh, but and we were tagged briefly as that weird band, which well, oh, really? Mike won't, Mike won't like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder in what Screw context that. it would be that weird band because of all of the shenanigans surrounding yeah, yeah, you that yeah. you were just kind of thrown into. Right. Yeah, yeah. We try to there's we try to have like some sort of X factor when we're playing. You know, there's the music, and then we try to have some sort of like extra. We, you know, inviting people up on stage is always fun. If there's some, there's the one show where the dude was just the only one dancing, where I'm like, if you're only one dancing, you should be up dancing on the stage. And it turned out pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really important from a performer's standpoint to have a show that is very visually appealing, especially if you're, you know, you're a three piece. You all have instruments. You're not like running around causing a huge scene because you're all focused on what you're doing. So it kind of helps to have an extra element to create. Yeah. And we can't Make afford the... pyrotechnics yet. So we've, yet we've got yeah, the, the exactly. keyword. And I think if any of us try to backflip, we'd die. Yeah. <laughs> you could always do aerobics classes training together. That's true. Yeah. You Ooh, know, we, yeah. We could should... all stack on top of each other like like uh, the circus folk. We'd yeah, like Cirque du Soleil or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cirque du So Custer. <laughs> so playing in the music scene for the past couple years have you noticed uh obviously having things like that x factor when you're playing shows helps the performance maybe for you you get more into it and the crowd gets more into it how do you feel about crowds at shows maybe when you don't have that x factor you know do you think people are still excited to see live music without that sort of added element yes or do th- you think so? I really do. Okay. I think I think if the music is good, it speaks for itself. And uh, a lot of the times, it's it's it adds a lot to have some stuff there that's like more fun, more of an interactive element. Um, but I don't think it's a hundred percent necessary. Sure. I mean, it's like yeah. when the Flaming Lips started. Like the reason they started all that stuff, like having crazy stuff on stage, bringing motorcycles on stage, and just revving them so like the place <laughs> got full of smoke. Um, they did that because they weren't good at the time. <laughs> like None of them knew how to play their instruments and they were like, well, we need something to get people to shows. So um, I think sometimes it works in tandem well and sometimes it's not necessary. Yeah. I think, well, the, you know, I think that there is not a Pittsburgh music scene. There are many, many, many little Pittsburgh music. It's, it Thank seems you. like it's almost, yeah, it's, it's, it's by neighborhood. Um, I found out very quickly when we were starting out and, you know, I was in a, maybe in, a, you know, another band playing shows around Oakland area. But if we played a show in the South side, like people don't cross rivers, basically. Yeah. No one ever crosses a river. If you goes through a tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. If Fuck you're tunnels. if you're if you're based out of Millville and Fuck you play tunnels. in Lawrenceville, no one's going to come see you. So and it's and each I think each venue has its own little community as well. There's places like the Thunderbird where it's like you show up, and you know, you're going to hear good music that night. 
Um, I think the challenge and that something that people like Ziggy are trying to to remedy is trying to get connect all of the dots. You know, sure. there's there's people that like this style of music over here. There's people that have heard of this venue over here, and just trying to raise everyone's awareness for like all the cool stuff. Expose going on Expose scenes city. to scenes. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, it's super super important. And but I think there's sort of this uh, like blissful ignorance that comes from us being creatives where we're like yeah this makes sense everybody should like everything but the normal person's kind of like well i don't care so it's really really hard trying to combat that yeah yeah <laughs> but luckily for you guys you do have a sound that seems to be more accessible and you're able to play all kinds of different events i would imagine you know getting to play that john fetterman event last night getting to do things like layer cake those aren't things that are necessarily an option for every band, depending on sure. the type of music that they want to do and things like that. Right. Outside of writing music, like the business aspects of being in a band, is there any one particular in person that handles that stuff for your band? Do you have a manager or do you handle all this stuff yourselves? As far as like getting shows? Getting and- shows, getting merch made, recording, scheduling stuff, tour, you know, all the politics that yeah. go into being in a band i think we, it's we, a little bit of like we do a lot of it ourselves and then we have ziggy ziggy does a lot yeah. of it as oh, well cool. Cool. And, so. we've, and we've got a, a few good friends and in, in the area that you know it's it's ziggy obviously gets us a lot of, of great shows and, and and a lot of chris good Leia opportunities chris, well. Leia. chris Leia of liveberg studio he's he bought his his next door neighbor's house up in the north hills and turned it into this like artist collective, basically. Oh wow, so it's, it's awesome! Really yeah. awesome. What's place. that person's name? Uh, Chris, Chris Leia. Chris Leia. Yeah. yeah. Mental yeah. note: future podcast. Yeah, live. Oh god, <laughs> yeah, yeah. please on. do. Yeah, yeah. He would be an amazing. He's guest. got some stories. We just uh, we we uh, there was a local artist named Jeremy Kwood, and he had a CD release up there. On I know Friday. Jeremy. Okay, yeah. Cool. So yeah, so his CD release show was at Liveberg. It was up at Liveberg. It's also Studio. where we practiced. Too. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Well, they, we. We uh, we practiced there. We recorded our EP. The the one that's on our website is is all there. So oh, it's, cool. It's that, this... The EP sounds great. That's what I listened oh, to. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and it's this awesome spot. And then we have we've got a friend, uh, uh, Adam Levine, not the Adam Levine, <laughs> <laughs> not uh, the not the not the one with the arm tattoos that does the proactive commercials. That's right. In the band, formerly <laughs> of a, some maroon band. I don't know. Um, well, apparently he's really good. Non sequitur. He's really good friends with uh, Jonah Hill. They went to high school together oh. and they like grew up together. That's I good. didn't know that, but that's that's the other Adam it's Levine. Neither here there's, nor a, there. there's a Pittsburgh Adam Levine. He's he's a, a lead singer of a band called Circles and Squares, and he formed his own uh, label called First Flight Records. Okay. Um, idea behind the the label is to give a lot of the bands that are just starting out opportunities that don't involve like pay for play. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you got to sell twenty five tickets. You got to like, you know. Uh, annoy all your friends and family to try to get them out and and you know they take a cut of that he's he's all about providing free opportunities for up-and-coming acts to get some exposure and uh, jesse's on the board of that that's based out of, of liveberg studio as well um and yep. he recently did a, a tribute to david bowie at the uh, at the james street gastro cool. pub where a lot of bands came and and you know dressed in bowie suits and and did <laughs> a bunch of bowie covers and yeah showed their support so it was a lot of fun yeah so it's it's you know we we try to network as much as possible and we try to to see you know where our music would make sense and just try to like dig into all these little communities that are happening yeah that's super important because sometimes i talk to bands or musicians and i'm about the thing about how segregated the Pittsburgh music scene is. And some people get it, or they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, how do you not see this? Are you a crazy person? Like, it, 
I mean, a good example here is just like you've been in the scene for a couple years. I play shows all the time. I'm in two different bands, and this is the first time our paths are crossing each other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. so and it happens to me all the time, especially since I started doing this podcast. I'm meeting new people all the time, and the scene is super, super segregated. You know, so yeah, yeah it's like it's like, good to like realize that and be able to okay, like I'm gonna dig in. Where can we? get our greasy mitts and make new fans you never want to stay in one scene you try to want to explore other ones otherwise you're kind of going to get like a niche like yeah. right there the same know. people at every show yeah playing with the same bands all the time and like get to be a, a little... bit incestuous yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah oh that definitely happens with all the the subculture things and a lot of bands aren't really open to playing with bands that are in other genres of music how do you feel about playing with Totally other fine. type of bands. Yeah, yeah. screw that, man. Look, yeah, that's. Well, I would. <laughs> I don't know. I think <laughs> they just feel <laughs> like no a lot of people feel like that doesn't make sense. But to me, I like going to a show where it's like, oh, there's the one rock band, and then there's a band that's like a little bit more extreme. But then there's like some jazz band playing afterwards. It's fun. It keeps it. Well, it's like you go to any festival. Flow. Any festival yeah. lineup is just every genre. Like mm-hmm. you'll have like. Talib Kweli followed by Del McCreary. Like, <laughs> yeah. The same stage. I don't know who either of those people are. Some, some, some obscure, or at least weird sounding. Yeah, Talib Kweli is a rapper and Del McCreary is bluegrass. Okay, thank you for explaining that. No problem. <laughs> Outside of being musicians, let's stop talking about music. Are we into anything else besides music? Do we have any hobbies? Do you like video games? Do you like Italian food? Meatballs. Uh, Let's talk about something. I'm playing through Twilight Princess again right now. <laughs> not not the new one, not the one for Wii U, because I can't afford a Wii U, but I have it on Wii, and I'm, I'm playing through it again. Okay. I Google search every day for Fallout 4 survival mode to see if that update hit yet, because all I'm waiting for is the Fallout 4 survival mode. All right. Hit. What about you, Mike? Um, I'm... Working on my master's right now in history, so... Oh, oh, takes, like, oh <laughs> excuse us. No, I don't, mean, <laughs> I don't mean like that, but that takes up, like, that's all. That's my hobby and, like, my, I don't know, Your takes up, like... Life? My, yeah, yeah, my life. It takes up a ton of my time, so... I gotcha. Yeah. I guess diving back into music just for a hair. Sure. Where is your end goal with Bad Custer right now? Is this something that you're trying to shop around to like a label get signed do the touring thing or is this just like a hey we've been in bands for the past few years and we're over all that we just want to have fun i don't think any of us are very good at planning long term <laughs> sure so, i think both those things are probably true you're up for what yeah. in the plan yeah and uh, we've 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 encountered more success than we ever could have imagined and sure. a lot of opportunities just from taking opportunities that were available to us and, you know, building on top of that. So I'm, I'm just excited to see where, where it goes. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The same. I don't even know how we got to where we are right <laughs> now. Like, not that we're, well, so two years ago or anything, but like every, every, our shows are getting bigger and uh, more prominent and it's just always like, Whoa. Yeah. Awesome. You know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you are a good band, which you're a good band, and if you're nice people, which you are, you all seem like nice people. Yeah, whatever, that's a pretty man. good formula to like <laughs> not like fuck it up because that's a lot. You you run into a lot of people that have egos. I don't know if that's well, something that yeah, you guys run into. I think, I think when we started, uh, as well, part of our philosophy was let's just not freaking take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> right. 
have fun with this and you know and i think we still we still adhere to that pretty well yes yeah. <laughs> very much so i don't i don't think any of us are too like i don't know we're not talking about bad custer in like third person bad custer is gonna do what bad custer <laughs> yeah, yeah, does yeah for bad custer <laughs> Well, two years ago, we were we were actually not too far from from where this is being recorded. We we recorded a storage locker facility, or we we practiced around here. We're over at ABC. Yeah, yeah. over at ABC. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, uh, and it we was had to it was it was <laughs> yeah. I've I've been in bands bands that have practiced there, and yeah, we had this like corner room in the basement, so like all the walls were water damaged, and it's actually where all the drainage like trickled down along the wall. So yeah, like right, it was right into our in the room. room with holes in the corner that were just covered by like plywood, so all of our equipment got covered in mold. Yeah, uh, the dude there, there was a guy that owned like rented the space right next to us. I'm pretty sure lived there. Yeah, and he was like strung out in the hallways, just like sleeping in the hallways. Um, Sounds about right. And that that, <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. just general like sonic atmosphere of like ran- like three different metal bands all practicing at the same time, uh-huh. just like filtering through the air. I'm totally forgot and back in that day, it was basically like drink five beers and just mess around. And then we got a show. Our first show was at, at the Brookline Pub down in, in Brookline. Yeah. And uh, it was basically just like we I, I just joined the band uh, replacing another bass player. And it was it was like I don't think any of the songs had names. They were all just kind of like Jesse would start it and we'd be like, OK, I think we know this. And they were all in either the key of G or the key of E. <laughs> yeah. <yep. laughs> and uh, we were like, OK, well, let's take this act on the road. And it was, you know, I, we're, we're all pretty improvisational. I think that it's 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 I think more fun for us if we don't know exactly what we're doing when we get into a song. We start it and see how it ends. So um, I don't think that part has changed too much. We've gotten a little bit more disciplined, I think, <laughs> than just a bit. like. Well, Songs have names now. Songs have names. That's that's very important, and they have lyrics. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, very important as well. The stuff that I listened to online seemed like it was structured and very well thought out. Like they were good songs. All those lyrics were written, like, right. It was like, oh, we we're doing vocals. <laughs> yeah. Let, <laughs> let me write something write down real quick. Lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recording is is a it's it's I think it's good for us. It helps us kind of crystallize a version of a song because they're, they're all works in progress, but we get to say like, this is definitive for now. Um, but we, they always change after too. Like oh, sure, none of our songs are stagnant. Yeah. I feel like they're in constant flux because that's the only way I think they're going to stay interesting to us. Sure. But it does, I think feels right. It does offer some stability. It oh, gives absolutely. us a little a foundation. Absolutely. Yeah. We just finished uh, recording tracks for our first album. Uh, we're recording at broadcast lane down on Homestead with a guy named Lurch, who's a very, eclectic canadian uh, sound engineer and producer and we went in with a with what t- 12 songs that we wanted to record and we yeah. probably ended up recording like a third of them and then writing new songs while we were in there and we ended up with like 15 16 recorded <laughs> yeah, songs. 16 songs and then we had to cut a few and yeah. awesome yeah so the live show for bad custard do you go into any sort of improv improv rants Oh, or yeah. do you like you just go off? Uh, sometimes. Well, there's there's structured like parts of the songs where like we'll go into like an improv part of the song, but it's planned. That's, it's like we know we're going there. Yeah, what okay. happens while we're there? Who knows? But like we always find a way to get out of it and back into the song. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't call us a jam band, but I mean, yeah. As some, much as like the Rolling Stones are... jammed, you know sure, what I mean? Yeah. Like all those old classic rock bands, you would never call them jam bands, but well, live they like, jam. I don't know if any of you are like 
Mars Volta fans, but like the Mars Volta would do that live a lot where, you know, they weren't a jam band by any means. Their studio albums had songs that were very structured, but live they would just kind of like, hey, we're we're taking a 10 minute detour on this yeah, one. I saw them uh, at Bonnaroo one year and like they did that a lot. Which yeah. just, <laughs> you have this like crazy kind of proggy, like heavier prog band. Um, and then they would just go into this like tangent of just we're going to drone on like t- these two chords for 10 minutes. And Another build band it that up. did that surprisingly is The Fall of Troy. I don't know if you know that band, but they're, they're like a li- they were like one of the smarter bands to come out of that like post hardcore screamo scene. Yeah, I agree. I saw them live once and they were like going off into weird jammy tangents as well. And then I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting you to do that. Yeah. But it was cool. Yeah, that's not my style of music at all. But out of all those bands, they are by far the most interesting and coolest. Oh, yeah, very, very, enough. very musical. Yeah. There's, yeah, you, you can make anything musical. It's just, sure, sure. you know, how, what your passion is about it you know sometimes people go into making a genre of music because it's cool or you know they get suckered into a band like i'm a bass player and i want to join a band and like i really want to be in some technical grindcore punk band but the only band that wants to take me is this funk band so i guess i'll be in this (laughs) funk band you're you're uh, describing my my childhood (laughs) yeah Um, phil played in a country i was i was given the nickname bass whore back in high school because i wouldn't i would never say no (laughs) i play you know i played metal i did three years as as like a a semi-professional like country touring musician you played the butler county fair played the big butler fair y 108 freedom fest Woo. Um, <laughs> and uh you know basically every style and it's yeah I, I i think that it's it's wise to if someone asks you to play with them and you've got the time like go for it like what's the worst that can happen you you learn a new style of music meet new people and I think that depending on the genre of music it could increase your ability as a musician Right, to learn different sure. things because if you're playing different styles of music there could be things in different scales or time signatures that you're not used to playing if you're always playing one certain style of music oh absolutely yeah so outside of bad custer as a band do any of you work on music independently any like solo stuff just for fun or mess uh, around i do a bit i mean but everything i do solo ends up becoming a bad, bad custer, custer song and it's like i take it and if it's not we're not feeling it then i just keep it and don't do anything with it that makes sense i i have um i mentioned you guys i'm in like a couple different projects and it's so weird because they're like very polar opposite as far as music goes so i sometimes envy people that are able to have like one focus and not be so like scattered it is it is nice because like (laughs) it's every song i write has the direction now of going to bad custer so it used to be more of like so a few years I weren't I wasn't in bands and I was just writing songs and trying to do like a solo thing, folk stuff. But then a lot of those songs ended up being like turning them into rock and roll songs, turning them into bad Custer songs. So yeah, like, it's it's a I think it's very difficult to like be a songwriter and write songs and be solely responsible for the output. Um, I write about a song every five years, and <laughs> I'm a, I'm a much bigger fan of of taking a, an idea that someone's already kickstarted and kind of rolling with it. Sure. Um, so I, I think Jesse and I make a good team because Jesse writes a song like every five minutes. <laughs> sure, and there isn't that like uh, that power trip 
effect that goes in the play like well i think it should be like this yeah and then it's like no you're wrong that might happen every once in a while but yeah, yeah. We're, we're actually that's probably our biggest strength is that i don't think any of us are that ego driven that well i like, think the thing that helps is you that. only have one guitar player yeah yeah. yeah, well, we did get into a fight once about the lyrics of a song, but it was a song we were writing about farts. Do you remember that? No. Uh, 1984, Northland Blowout. Oh, God, we did. We did. We got in an argument about a, a, because, song, a joke song. It yeah. wasn't even a real song. It got pretty heated. It we, did. we actually tried to, to make our own podcast. We we're going to call it Padcust the Bad Custer Podcast. Okay. Um, and we, we, were in, we were interviewing Chris Leia, and the idea was we would write a song about whatever we had talked about with our guest. And we were writing. He was he was talking about some like fart contest that he would get into with his friends in high school, and we so were talking about lab, farts. Yeah. <laughs> and it was some lyric that I was like, "No, that doesn't make sense." And we we got real mad about it. So we, Do you remember the lyric? Can we like? It was. Uh, There's a problem of you wanted to do. There was a problem of the gastrointestinal. And I said, that doesn't make sense. It's not grammatically correct. And <laughs> turned into a thing. And we ended up doing, there was a problem and it's gastrointestinal. Uh, <laughs> and we got into an argument over that. Oh, yeah. Like, we got mad at each other. It was, it, it was good. It Sounds was good. like a shitty situation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, indeed. But yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've basically fossilized our, our songwriting process at this point. And it's Jesse writes like a lick or something he brings it to practice and plays it for us we we pick it up when we can it filters through mike and i we figure out you know what the rhythm section is going to sound like and there's a lot of songs that we are really excited about and we're not playing anymore there's a lot of songs that we weren't initially excited about and then like a year later we come back and pick it up again um and then there's others that you know we just flat out say like we're no we're not playing that <laughs> yep there's... it's good to acknowledge that yeah yeah you know because not everything is going to work out and to be able to know that and maturely be like okay this just isn't it Officer. rather than like i've been in bands where the guys will like really insist on something that isn't working and it's like how many practices are we going to waste on you trying to figure out this stuff that's just not mm. going to work out? Right. Yeah. I mean, if it doesn't feel good, then why even bother continuing it? Like, Some people have that problem. Like, I don't know if it's like accepting defeat or whatever. You know, they're just like, we can make it work. I mean, I don't think any of the songs I write are good. So it's just a lot easier for <laughs> well, me to let go artist, of them. So it's natural for you to beat yourself up. So you are the vocalists in Bad Custer, right? One of two. One, yes. oh, well, Phil, you're, you're the, the main vocalist. Right, the right, vocalist. Okay. right. But Phil, Phil sings harmony on just about every song. Okay, cool. It seems you have a very unique approach to doing vocals, it seems. It is. That's lack a, of, it's a like, polite way of saying that. It's no. a lack of training and skill. <laughs> but I tend to actually gravitate towards, like, generally with any type of art, people that aren't like classically trained and kind of figure it out themselves because you are able to develop this really unique way. Like you find your own voice that way. You know, if you're trained by some professional vocalist, you're just going to sounding like them. You're not going to find your own voice. And I think it works really well with, it makes like the rock stuff that you're doing sound like it gives it more grit that it has like this, very bizarre unique vocal approach to it cool yeah that's that's kind of also like why i quit taking guitar lessons at a certain point it's like i figured out the basics like learn learn basics from lessons and then i think at a certain point you should stop and try to develop your own style 
instead of learning your guitar teacher's style or whatever instrument yeah. you're playing. Like there comes a point where you just kind of have to, you want to be like, if you don't want to be a session musician and you want to do like other stuff and you're more creative about it, there's a certain point where I think you just got to like tough it out and develop your own way of playing. Yeah. And I think that even if, if you're somebody who is genuinely passionate enough about what you're doing, that's really not even a decision that you make. It just kind of happens. And then like down the road, you're like, maybe you'll think about it one day and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm working this thing out, but it's because I give a shit about what I'm doing. Right. When anytime I talk to somebody that is aspiring to do something like, Hey, like how can I get into recording music or how can I start a podcast? It's like the first thing I always tell everybody is like the first thing that you need, you don't need to worry about like equipment or a nice computer. You need to have, you need to actually want to do it like for real. Mm -hmm. If you genuinely want to do something, that's really all you need from there. You'll make it happen. You know, if you don't have the money to buy the equipment, <laughs> yeah, you'll get a job or work more at your job that you have. Save up if you care enough. That's really all it takes is a passion to do it. Yeah. Sure. One time Jesse said to me, he goes, uh, I don't think any of us are really that great of musicians. We're just smart enough to figure it out. And I think, <laughs> I think it's pretty much true. Like, well, I, you know, I never know what the fuck I'm doing, but somehow it just, yeah. It just all comes together in the end, and it's our own, you know? So Yeah, I mean, you know, the cool thing about music and art in general is that it's with me and the way I view stuff is that it doesn't matter, like, the talent level that goes into reproducing something. So say, you know, you could write a song, and somebody's like, oh, this is easy. I could figure this one out. But that person didn't write it. You know, it's like I always think about, like, a good – example would be like smells like teen spirit you know it's like yeah that's a really simple rock song but it's a really good catchy rock song and sure anybody could play it but you didn't come up with it they came up with it right and that's right. what makes it a good song was it philip glass that did the what 433 the the song that that is nothing but silence Do you know what i'm talking about no nope. so a a modern composer in the 20th century he wrote a song it was, i think it was called 433 or it was basically a, a length of time and the sheet music for it was just a bunch of rests. And so the pianist would come up, open up the sheet music, <laughs> sit there, turn the page, turn the page. And the audience, and basically he said like the music of it was the sounds of discomfort from the audience because they didn't really know what to do. <laughs> I love so that. That's, that's, no, someone no, came up. No, no, that's annoying. Well, so so that's that's up for debate. But the, what I'm, the point that I'm getting at is someone came up and he's just like, anyone could have done that. And Philip Glass was just like, yeah, but no one did. Oh God, I don't like. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> that's like. That's like something that it transcends the piece itself. That's like modern art. That's like the blank canvas hanging up on display in the museum that says something. But just because it's an original idea doesn't make it a good idea. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, I mean, you know, but we we a lot of our songs do have a very simple kind of hook to them, a very simple kind yeah. of arrangement. So. I don't even know if it necessarily needs to be a good idea, though, and I don't know if that's necessarily intention. I think it's just like anything that causes somebody to think. Because like that's the thing is if you saw that, if you were presented with that piece 433 without any expectation, you'd be – there'd probably be a lot of stuff going through your head that normally wouldn't. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's neat to just see what the reactions that people have to that. We try to surprise people 
that's that's something that you know yeah it's it's definitely we we want to try to give people something that they don't aren't weren't expecting to hear for a while i played a deliberately shitty bass solo during one of our songs yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was i don't i it, we ended up phasing that out because i can't i don't think that anyone actually knew i think they just thought i sucked right? yeah, yeah yeah right so like um, we were the only ones in on the joke and we, yeah. we thought yeah. like maybe if we play it up people will get it but i think people were like man but, that guy I mean, just it, sucks yeah at it got to the point where phil would like go to the front of the stage and, and like just start like, slapping the bass, yeah, jump and dance around and like wiggle his yeah. arms. I would play <laughs> like Dixie, like do 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 do, and like in the yeah. wrong key. It was, yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe people, people got it, maybe did. didn't. But yeah. yeah, things like that. You know, um, we try to choose very eclectic covers. You know, if we're playing a cover, we want it to be like something that no one has ever covered before. So we do coconut, um, and lately we yeah. we've been throwing songs in the middle of coconut for our live show. It's become so like, like a running, yeah. a running joke. Like, what are we gonna, what so are we gonna stick a, in the middle? Yeah, it's a ten-minute medley that starts with Space Jam. <laughs> the theme from Space Jam <laughs> goes into Coconut, stops midway through Coconut. There's an R. Kelly song in the middle of well, there. We forgot about the Lollipop Guild. From oh, Wizard of Lollipop Oz. Guild, and then it comes back into Coconut. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Coconut is recorded. It's on right. There's a, yeah. There's and a version I was there. listening to that. And I was like, whoa, these vocals are insane. <laughs> I loved it. It yeah. was fucking awesome. Jesse's going like full Joker on that one. Yeah. It's super, super wild. Bit. But it's it's awesome. We got our battling kazoos. Yeah. There's a, there's, I forgot the kazoo solos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On that version. Oh, yeah. I always forget that. Yeah. But I, I think that song's grown on us as well. Because when we were doing our EP, I, I, I don't know if, Phil, if I ever had this conversation with Phil, but Jesse and I were like, I don't even think... We want to record this. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be the band who does coconut, you know. But the now, I think we always have fun playing it, and it's become. I don't know. I think that covers like something like something like that is really good, especially if you're playing a room that's kind of dead mm-hmm. or doesn't know how to mm-hmm. react to you. You could do that, and sure. you're either going to get some people to start having some fun and engage. I feel like if I was at a show. And I saw it, and I never heard you guys before. And you did that. I'd be like, these guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> and you're going to get the attention of people that are ready to have fun at a show. Sure. And if right. somebody hears that and they're still not having fun, they're a lost cause. They mm-hmm. can go to hell. Like, they're at the show for the wrong reason, probably. Well, depending on the show, we either, like, play it really early in the set to, for that intended effect or really late in the set if, like, we know that that audience is going to be, like... I think there's a way we structure. Like our if the sets. set's going good, maybe you're like we could save it. Well, it's more it's more of like well, we structure the sets beforehand, and I think it's like if it's a show where we need to get people like into it right away, we'll play it early. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do we want to use this to get people into the show, or do we want them to leave with that last? Remember the sh- like, yeah. Yeah. At the yeah. End, yeah. So is it kind of like you cater each set that you play to maybe like the other bands that are there just try to get a feel for what's going on it's more yeah it's more of like we cater it to what that show is like what that idea that show is and what we think like the draw is going to be the turnout stuff like that i mean it's it's yeah well so we we for last week we played uh the mr roboto project for the first time um you know very kind of bare bones venue usually post to a lot of like punk bands you know, yeah very bare aesthetic and we've got a lot of songs that are like under three minutes, like these tiny, like fast, loud songs. And we tried to stuff the set full of those because, you know, it matched the other bands that we were playing with. How do you feel about like, you know, playing at a venue like Roboto versus playing at Mr. Smalls with the Clarks? That's two very 
polar opposite things. Are you just happy to play, or do I you think prefer we're just happy to play? Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's it, part of the fun is is you know seeing how our music interacts with a space and with an audience. Um, it's different every time, and it's it, and I think that we've got a set of songs and, and a library of music that we can tailor to all these different experiences and just see what what works in one area, what works in another area. But having like the light show last night, we Jesse looked up during one of his guitar solos and realized all the lights were off and there was just a spotlight on him. Yeah. And you're like, like, this is sweet. Yeah, that's not something you can get at Roboto. But meanwhile, at Roboto, it's like you can reach out and touch the audience and it's a lot more intimate. You Which can Phil does, and him. he's been told numerous yes. times to stop. <laughs> There's several restraining orders against me. But, well, uh, <laughs> I mean, this goes into what we were talking about before with engaging in those different uh parts of the scene you know all of the different segregated little sections it's cool to see that you're willing and happy to do that sure oh for sure yeah i mean like i said i think we're just happy to play shows yeah. it's it's we're a lot still of amazed that people want us to come to their, <laughs> their establishments and play yeah yeah well um a few weeks ago we played the r bar in dormont which is like a little cash only bar okay and um it was mostly one of older. Our shows, yeah, it was, is, that it was, the, is that the place? It's um, on the corner of like Pioneer and West Liberty. I think so. It's, it's on West Liberty. So. Um, like kind of by the Eaton Park and all that. Yeah, it's yeah. It's I near used to there. I used to live in Dormont, and I remember there. I'd it's always by the Apple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's the. Yeah. It's I know like where three that's three doors at. down. I know where that's at. Yeah. I but, never saw any bands there, but well, well yeah. it's it's not it's not a space that's like built for live music there's it, a sure. lot of live music that happens there though oh that's absolutely yeah, yeah but it's you know it's it's like they clear out two tables they stuff you into a corner and you show by up the and, window right yeah right yeah. right by the front yeah. door but it's definitely like we're <laughs> used to playing in the city to you know like younger millennial types and going to a place where it's you know a bunch of old yinzers um it was like is this really going to translate and thankfully it went over very yeah, well so but there's something about like i mean you can play a ballroom or a huge venue where even if there's a sizable crowd and they don't fill the room it still feels empty and it feels dead yeah. or you can play some little dive bar where maybe there's only 20 people in the room but it feels packed mm -hmm. and uh -huh. and there's just this energy that bounces off back and forth everybody loves it um that's why you hear about like some like even bigger bands sometimes like do club tours because there's there's a difference in playing like a smaller room where you can like get like with the audience and sure. feel the audience because it's you know it's more packed it's more intimate it's it's kind of awesome yeah i on it and personally in the stuff that i do i'm never a fan of really playing on a, a big stage because i like being interacting with the crowd and being right there face to face but i mean i play in a heavy metal band and i also do like a weird experimental hip-hop stuff mm. so it's just like both of those things really cater to being able to like get in the crowd's face and like what interact you know kind of experimental hip-hop stuff it's like i have a live band that plays behind me oh cool and it's like indie hip-hop but it's kind of abrasive a little harsher not not like rap rock by any means but i use like a lot of like just like weird synthesizer sounds yeah. and i use like weird like chord structures and like because i write the majority of the stuff and then have the band learn it and it's just like 
it's not traditional hip hop by any means. Did you ever listen to like Quasimodo? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So Mad Villain stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Right yeah. on. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's what I would call like weird experimental hip hop. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, it's kind of like that. You ever listen to Death Grips at all? Uh, I know the name probably. Yeah, it's like it's well, Death Grips is way extreme. I'm not quite that extreme, but on like another level because it's like. I don't listen to like I list I like hip hop but I don't listen to a whole lot of stuff. Right. But like it's just like weird influences from all the other types of music that I do like to listen to. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your best guess as to how your ex- experimental hip hop project would go over at the R bar? <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually think it would go over well. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, you, have a, you have a band playing behind you, right? Well, yeah. That's yeah. The one so thing this is like a big blues bar. Like Norm Nardini plays there all the time. It's like. Yeah, and I think, like, as long as you have a live band, like, I think they're into yeah, it. I mean, I have a band, and I have a pretty good personality on stage. I'm really good at interacting with people. And kind of like what you said earlier in the conversation, where if, if you know what you're doing and you play a good show, people are going to enjoy watching it. Right. Even if it isn't necessarily something that they want to listen to at home or anything like that, a good live performance is a good live performance. Sure, yeah. And right. we're, yeah. we're good at what we do, so I cool. like it. Cool. We're actually playing at Layer Cake at oh, James cool. Street on the top floor where you guys were last year. Oh, very cool, very cool. Actually, I work for Get Hip Records, and we're sponsoring that whole stage. So I'm going to be the fool that's responsible for that entire stage that entire day. Nice. Awesome. Because that, that was a good idea. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, having having seen several stage managers at these types of things, it's like, you'll, you'll be busy. It'll keep you on your toes. Oh, yeah. I mean, but... I'm pretty busy every day, but... Ziggy's a good dude. Actually, I the first time I met him in person was when I had him on my podcast. I listened to that episode. It was really good. Cool. Thanks yeah. for checking that out. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm drinking a beer. I'm drinking a beer. Me too. But <laughs> I the, and the, you know we're we're gonna be hopefully playing the uh, the the Rant Festival in Lawrenceville. Cool. Um, we're gonna be playing the Deutschtown Music Festival, and you know there's all these big you know in, in Pittsburgh. I think in the, just in the past five or, or so years of seeing like a lot of these big festivals start to pop up. We have the groundswell from the community now that we can support these kind of yeah. like massive things. And the only shitty thing about those festivals when you're in a, as, or I guess for everyone, but especially if you're a musician, it's like, it's this giant, like there's like 10 venues and there's, you know, hundreds of bands and all of my friends are playing here and there and I can't go see anyone because it's like, oh, well, I have to be uh, in this one place. Dude, so. uh, at the, did you guys play the Strip District Fest? No, no, not no. no. Okay. Well, I like I did a live podcast in the afternoon and both of my bands played as well. Yeah. That day. So I was just like running around and it was like I didn't get to see any of my friends yeah, the yeah. whole day. Because like the way that it worked was like, okay, I had all my podcast stuff and I live in Troy Hill, so I don't live that far from the strip district, but it was like, okay, do the podcast. Well, load up, do the podcast. Go home, drop everything off, get stuff for my hip hop stuff. Go to the show, unload, go back home, and there's this like constantly oh, back yeah. and forth all day. Yeah, we what last year at Rant we played Spirit. We we did a full set at Spirit, and then we had uh, an acoustic set like a few hours later at the bowling alley. Never again. And there was no there was no part <laughs> no parking in Lawrenceville well, during Rant, so we had to carry all of our stuff like ten blocks. We said oh, that no. last time though, but. Like two weeks ago, we played two shows in a day. That's true, yeah. yeah. That's fun, though. So, it's a lot of it's fun. It's like you're in yeah. it, you know? Well, yeah. and it's like the first show's practice for the second one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we did play a much better second I show. Played, <laughs> I played Rant two years ago with the Hip Hop Project. I didn't play last year. I would really, really like to play this year. I need to... I don't have any ins with Rant. 
I don't know anybody that's doing anything at ramp. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just the form, you know. And yeah, uh, it's filling out that. What is it? Uh, oh, there's a form you fill out. Like like I didn't, yeah, have, yeah, I didn't yeah. have to fill out a form the and first I, year. I think that. Well, I mean, if it's if grown. someone can get you in, they might be able to put it on your behalf or something. But it's just this giant Google form that you fill out, and then they like pick you. Is it and too I think late it's. To fill out? I don't think it's don't too think late. So. I think like until sometime in May. It's like Hugh, Mary, Joe, like Hugh Twyman, Mary, Joe. Um, like I think they're. Mm-hmm. pretty big and like you need three up. references in a drug test also. yeah, yeah. So, okay that's fine dude i would <laughs> love never to th- done a drug in my life <laughs> i would love to throw a music festival where they drug test every musician <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it would be like the mormon tabernacle choir and that's no, it and that's no it. Yeah. actually no it should be the opposite it should be you can't play unless you've done hard drugs yeah. i bet well, you the mormon that, tabernacle. that would be a much better music hard festival. drugs yeah it would be the mormon tabernacle choir and frank zappa do you think Princess Leia is Commander Snoke? <laughs> I, I, think, I do. I think that you're just saying that to say that. I don't think you actually believe. I do. I do. You a Star Wars fella? Yeah, I think we all are. Um, I think everyone on I, planet I, Earth I, is. I know, know we all are. Um, but yeah, are you? A, do you do you enjoy I like Star, Star Wars? Wars? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think Princess Leia is Snoke. I'm gonna say Supreme here. Leader say Snoke first. He also no, thinks Kim Trails like. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse thinks a lot of things. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Um, Princess Leia is Snoke, though. I'll go back and think <laughs> about that. I'll let you know how I feel about that. Yeah. You excited for Rogue One? Uh, as excited as one. I mean, I don't know. I'm like, whatever. I'm going to go see it. I'm, I'm sure gonna it's going to be it. sweet. It looks like... Okay, so when they announced it, I was thinking this is going to be like a Star Wars espionage film, like a, a spy movie. It looks... But then there's like this... like. Normandy scene in the trailer where like the ATATs and there's armies and it just seems like it's too big of a scale. It's like an, it looks like another Star Wars movie. Oh, it's gonna be another Star oh, Wars. <laughs> they got that Disney money. They can do whatever the name. fuck they want. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think I, I like the ideas for all the movies individually, and I there's just something that's a little creepy to me about how well they're like capitalizing off of the nostalgia for like classic Star Wars. You know, it's I understand like I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to go see it. I saw Star Wars seven in the theaters three times, but it's at the same time. It's like with all the merchandising and things that they do, it's like they basically control my mind. You know, they put well, out a product that but I that's fine. literally. Well, that's what Disney yeah. has been doing for decades. No, that's yeah. true. That's fair. You're the one that likes Frozen. Did I? Do I like Frozen? Do you like Frozen? <laughs> it's it's it, I wasn't honestly that impressed. With I Frozen. wasn't either. I'm not. I'm not. I thought Wreck It Ralph was great. Wreck It Ralph is pretty good. Uh, Big Hero Six was good. That was good. Um, Zootopia, amazing. Uh, I didn't see it. It's really good. Mm. Talks about prejudice. There's a lot of like Donald Trump <laughs> allegories in Bat- there. Batman Superman was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> not Disney. Doesn't count. <laughs> I have no interest in seeing Batman versus. Oh Super God, Man. I did yeah. it. I did it more of like as a an exercise in self masochism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I collect bad films. Like I like bad movies. Okay. Um, but like bad movies that are made with like the best intentions and fall flat on their face. Sure, like, like a budget. Troll Two or something. Yeah, very much. Like Troll Two, The Room, you Birdemic. know, all those classics. But mm-hmm. then there's like. Captain America made for TV, like 70, 79, 80 made for TV movies. Amazing. Um, stuff like that. And then that's why I saw Batman vs. Superman, but it was just joyless. Well, I think that, yeah, that's the problem with stuff like that. Is just, that it didn't even, it did, you couldn't even have fun I think with that, it as a bad movie. Those are, so the people that made that movie had all the money in the world to do whatever they wanted. Zach, who, 
I said this like, who gave Zack Snyder a billion dollars? Like, who saw Watchmen and was like, this is really good? <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, should again, trust this man with our entire yeah, comics franchise. Let's give him a billion dollars and put him in charge of everything. The unfortunate thing, though, is that the majority of the, the average watcher, they're, they're fine. They're like, okay, this is good. It's almost three hours long, though, so I don't know if that's necessarily true because the average watcher is like, I, the um, movie I got places to be. Doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. A lot of movies now, especially on that, those bigger movies they're seem to be longer. longer. Right. But and they're getting away with it. At least the Marvel ones are like, you know, they're fun. They're joyful. They're like, there's jokes in them and the jokes land and it's, they don't take themselves so seriously. Like Superman's telling people he's going to rip them apart. Yeah. Like, I don't. Kids are here, man. Yeah. Any, <laughs> any since of when, the. Since when are you such a moralist? <laughs> when, it comes to super, when it comes to Superman, always. <laughs> okay. Superman shouldn't be telling yeah. people he's going to rip them limb from limb. Yeah. I've never been a. A comic book person in general. When I was in high school, I liked some like weirdo alternative comics, but Marvel DC was never on one side or the other. But as far as the movie stuff goes, definitely fall towards the Marvel stuff. It's yeah, a right. lot more entertaining for an outsider to watch. Well, yeah. I think you know the the Chris Nolan Batman movies were great, but they're barely superhero movies. They're, that's, well, they're, that's what makes them great, though. Yeah, and I think they they took all the wrong lessons from it. They're like, oh, well, he did this dark, gritty, realistic thing, so we should do that for all of our movies now. But well, he had a vision behind it, right? He and just he had the made, competence to like, pull it off. Dark detective films with super, like Batman yeah, happened yeah. to be. It's like Mystic River, but Batman's in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> I mean, that's where the Dark Knight is. You know, what's funny is I've definitely felt some type of negative way about the Nolan Batman movies. But like now that you said that, it's like okay, maybe there's something there. I need to reevaluate the situation in my brain. The yeah. first two are pretty good. The third one's like yeah, I, they well, but it was had, filmed in Pittsburgh, so and he had to rewrite the script, and it kind of think he crumbled under these like yeah. its own. Because I mean, Heath Ledger died, and he was supposed to be the villain. But he, but Heinz Field, they had they had Ravenstall up in the crowd, and Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger's in it. Yeah, <laughs> I also just don't know if I care enough about Batman as a character to enter those movies with any type of engagement you know yeah yeah um i could see that i really did like the animated series though a lot animated series holds up i think they need to get away from batman's origin story because every incarnation now like even the new batman superman movie retells that story and it's like we know yeah know how we don't even need to know how i don't think anybody really cares batman begins should be like the definitive one because it was a really good retelling of the origin story. Year, it's kind of like year one. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with year one, but it's it's very similar. Um, it takes a lot of cues from that. Uh, so I don't know. It's do you just think? Not do you anymore. think that when they show Spider Man in in, in uh, Captain America: Civil War, they're going to retell his origin story for like the eighth time? No, <laughs> because and then they're doing the new Spider Man movie with like Marvel, Sony, and Marvel. Yeah, and it's apparently just going to like start. We this like, is Spider. Everyone knows who Spider Man is. We don't need to go over this right. again. Yeah, but they're going to. Yeah, you're probably probably they're going to because they can (laughs) because they just have unlimited money to throw at Spider-Man movies. So, I mean, if this one fails, they'll make another three. Do you think they're going to make Fantastic Four again? And that's what it's going to be called. Yes. Fantastic Four again. (laughs) (laughs) Christ, this shit again. (laughs) A Fantastic Four adventure. So. Bad Custer wrapping up this conversation what could uh what's on the horizon you know you said you just recorded the album 
So it's probably going to be like a good like six months before this thing is out and like real life how shit goes type of yeah, thing. Yeah, realistically, it's going to be a little bit. So we shouldn't pitch that right now. Oh. But you do have an EP out, right? Right. And you're playing Layer Cake. Correct. Which is June 4th. Yes. It Phil? is. Ju- it is June fourth. <laughs> June fourth at. You'll be playing at Spirits. We'll be playing at Spirits. I'll, I'll be playing at James James Street Street. Pub, and some other people will be playing at Cativo. That's correct. I yeah. don't know who they are, but I'm sure there's great bands everywhere. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, they've been slowly releasing lineups. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some little shuttle bit buses. Yep. That are bottle shusses. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what else? Anything else cool going on with you guys? We um, might be retiring and becoming comic book movie critics. But... <laughs> So we've got we've got a show up at Liveberg Studio. Let me, let me I need to check out this place. Yeah, you absolutely it's do. Awesome. It's awesome. It's really yeah. cool. You so should, like, you should come to the show we're playing. He bought the house and just everyone that comes through signs the wall. All the walls are just covered in like drawings and signage. Where and, is Liveberg Studio? Uh, Hampton, Hampton Township. It's right, Allison Park. It's right by Hartwood Acres, very close. Yeah, have you ever been to Hartwood Acres for a show? It's like so walking away. distance. Yeah, not so far away. Eh, Twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you, can, you can't people, Uber sure. up there. Um, May nineteenth, though, we're playing with a, a Boston band called Weekend Friends, who who we're we're good friends with. Um, and on the weekend, it, is it? Well, it's, so it's well, not. It's weekend. not. Yeah, it's they're it's weekend it's a great friends. band name because it's it looks like Weekend Friends, but it's actually Weekend Friends. Like we've been weakened by these friends. Oh. Um, so between that and then we've got Layer Cake, and then we're probably going to be um, announcing some more like festivaly sort of dates as the summer goes on, but. Yeah, we're going to be keeping pretty busy. Super cool. Is there any sort of uh, links or anything that you want to pitch? I know you have a website that seems to ha- be pretty inclusive with all your shit on it. Like yeah, we try to make that the catch all. We really just update that with shows. So if you ever want to see us live, the shows are always on there. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else, we've had a merch sex- section since we built it. <laughs> Coming and, soon. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we need t-shirts. We're dropping the ball on We're the merch. really bad at, at, at making t-shirts, so... Hopefully yeah, we'll have had, t-shirts next time you see us. Get get some merchandise. That's pretty important. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we, have, we, we had the idea last show because there was just a blank space where our merch was supposed to be. Like, let's just get an old suitcase, fill it with like flea market junk and yeah. just sell it for like a dollar. And like, yeah. I think that's a really good idea <laughs> is just we get a suitcase, fill it with stuff like, <laughs> yeah. like, like a junk drawer and then mark everything like two bucks. <laughs> you want a screwdriver? Two bucks. How about this? Bad Custer t-shirt, and all it says is a URL. It's like www.images.com slash badcusterlogo.jpg in text. We should sell sextants. <laughs> like the, 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 the navigation tool? The, the nautical navigation used, used tool. Used by old maritime yes. navigators? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay, it's you bad. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you guys for coming over and doing this little talk. It was awesome meeting you. Yeah, uh, yeah thanks, thanks for having, having us. You eventually. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. I think we are good to go. I got to push stop on this thing. Okay. And Do it. And we Three, are two, one. done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. I really like these guys. Bad Custer really they're, they're good dudes. I'm really stoked to see them live one day. Bummed that I'm not going to be able to catch them at the Layer Cake Fest, but they're playing a lot of shows, and our paths will cross again one day. If you get the opportunity to see them, 
make sure you go do that. And if you're already friends with them, hey, you know, tell them that you listened to the episode. Tell them good job. Tell them keep up the good work. If one of their birthdays is coming up, buy them a present. Hell, just buy them a present anyways. Whatever. Support them. I like them. Like those guys. Cool people. Anyways, I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.